worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has announced government support of nearly $10 million for almost 50 farm research projects this year. Merritt made the announcement today at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. We will hear from him on today's program. As well, the University of Saskatchewan has been awarded $14 million through the Saskatchewan Agriculture Development Fund, with $7.2 million of the funds allocated to operating the, operating the Crop Development Centre for the next five years. We'll hear from plant geneticist and wheat breeder Dr. Curtis Posniak, who works for the CDC. And Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. We'll have that for you coming up on today's program. All of those stories and much more on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has announced government support of nearly $10 million for almost 50 farm research projects this year. Merritt made the announcement today at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. Well, obviously, it's very important, as I said, to you know to grow the ag sector the way we want to. And uh, when you look at some of the research projects, they're obviously looking at disease control. We're looking at new varieties. We're looking at higher proteins. We're looking at uh, different mechanisms that we can use. Obviously, it impacts the, the food sector as well and the value-added side. That's why there's all part of that research. But it's really important to. Uh, to develop this and I mean agriculture is the industry in this province and we want to see it grow we want to feed the, the world we're, we're very good at it we're the best in the world at doing it we want to continue that so this research really adds to that when you when you can base your decisions and what you're doing and your products on sound science and the research that we do here it's it's a great story to tell and that's why we do it he says this funding allows researchers to make plans for their upcoming projects well, that's exactly right. I mean, let's let's face it, you can't do some of this plant research and that type of thing in one year or two years. It usually takes three or four years to develop and design. So when we look at that, that's why we say, okay, let's let's invest in this because it, it makes good sense. When you can uh, incre- increase production on pulses or whether you can look after disease control in pulses or increase cereal production or increase proteins in, in varieties or canola, whatever the case may be, oil content, whatever. I mean, you just look what has happened in the research in this province over the last few years you know lentils were developed here in this province at the crop development center we now have uh, canolas where they're straight cut varieties which the farmers are really starting to utilize so we're seeing some really good results as a result of the research that's going on here 
Merritt notes that many of the projects improve crop yields, which in turn improves the provincial economy. Well, that's exactly right. And you look at what's happened here just over the last, you know, 20 years, 30 years. Uh, we're seeing virtually zero till here in the province of Saskatchewan because we're using crop rotations. And that's all as a result of research that's going on saying if you, you know, put a pulse here, it fixes nitrogen. You can put your cereal in on there next year. You can put canola on it, whatever you want. So we're really finding uh, some real uh, economic savings and opportunity for the industry here. But then we're also increasing their bottom line and we're also increasing our trade uh, issues that we're dealing with globally. We're, you know, selling pulses around the world now, not just to India and Bangladesh. We're selling them into Japan. We're selling them into other countries as well. And we're seeing canola being distributed all over the world. We're obviously seeing, seeing big investment here in the province of Saskatchewan with Canola Crush. We found out, you know, canola meal is good for the livestock sector, especially the dairy side. So there's great opportunities here and there's more to come. He explains who makes the decisions on where research dollars are spent. Actually, I'm very proud of that. We have uh, we have the Agriculture Development Fund Council, and they make the decision. They get all the projects that are submitted. They go through them all. It's a, it's a board of farmers, ranchers, academia is there. Uh, we have uh, the ministry has a couple of folks that sit there as well, and it's important that they go through the research and say, okay, this is what's good for the farmers and ranchers here in the province of Saskatchewan. So this is the projects that we'd like to see. So I think that's a great thing. It removes uh, myself for making the decision. Uh, it takes the politics right out of it and just says, okay, this is the industry stakeholders. They'll make the decisions on how the research dollars are spent. Merritt notes that farm groups are kicking in money for this research as well. That's right. I mean, uh, we see, you know, well over $4 million again from uh, partners, and, and that cannot be uh, go unsaid. It, it's important, and that's where the checkoff dollars go. Uh, those committees make those decisions on where their dollars are going to go, whether it's the pulse growers, canola growers, wheat growers, oat growers. Uh, they all have a checkoff dollar, and it goes into research, which is fundamental to keep the industry whole and keep it strong and to improve, uh, improve the crops that we're growing here. And that's what we're seeing over the, the last 40, 50 years years is a great investment in research and seeing new varieties coming out of the Crop Development Center just for each and every year. And he notes the University of Saskatchewan will be getting $7.2 million worth of the funding. Well, it's really important to the university that they have sustainable funding. That's why we're giving them over $7 million for, you know, for admin funding to, to keep them going that way. And then the research dollars just allows them. But what it really does, it allows the opportunity for them to attract some top researchers from around the world. And we're starting to see that. And uh, that's where we really like to see the, the dollars go and really like to be able to attract those people. And I've been to the, to the Crop Development Centre and there's a lot of young people in there that are really excited about crop research and what's going on so it's great to be a part of that and to keep that ongoing funding going so we can attract and not only attract but keep them here as well. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Today, Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, or SPG, announced funding for 17 pulse-specific research projects co-funded through Saskatchewan's Agriculture Development Fund. SPG's total investment of over $3 million was leveraged through the ADF process for a total investment in pulse research and development of over $6.7 million. 
These research projects are over two to five years in duration and will involve pea, chickpea, soybean, lentil, dry bean, and faba bean and address disease, root rots, herbicide resistance, insect control, fungicide use, soil fertility management, and processing. Other co-funders of projects funded by SPG include Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission, the Saskatchewan Canola Development Commission, Alberta Wheat Commission, Manitoba Canola Growers, Manitoba Crop Alliance, Prairie Oat Growers Association, and the Western Grains Research Foundation. Five people will be inducted into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame on April 15th as members of the Class of 2023. The announcement was made yesterday afternoon at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. Kevin Hirsch started his agricultural journalism career with CTV in the early 1980s. He moved on from the media in the mid-1990s to form his own ag consulting company, but kept on writing columns and stories for various publications, including the Western Producer. Hirsch lives in Saskatoon, but still farms at Cabri in southwestern Saskatchewan. The other four inductees are Bill Huber from Lipton, Dorothy Lang of Lloydminster, John McKinnon of Saskatoon, and Lori Tollefson of Outlook. Huber served as senior executive roles at both of Saskatchewan's cattle organizations. Long uses her home economics background to inform urban consumers about food and agriculture. McKinnon is a USASC beef research specialist and a founding organizer of the Western Canadian Feedlot Management School, while Tollefson spent four decades at the Irrigation and Diversification Centre in Outlook. The federal government is asking Canadians to submit comments about a potential trade deal with a South American country. On January 6th, Mary Ng, Canada's Minister of International Trade, Export Promotion, Small Business and Economic Development, announced public consultations on a potential free trade agreement between Canada and Ecuador. Canadians have until February 21st to provide their comments. Once submitted, the government will use them to define Canada's priorities in trade negotiations. Canadian ag plays a pivotal role in the trade relationship between the two countries. Canada's main ag exports to Ecuador include wheat, lentils, oats, barley, and peas. In 2021, Ecuador imported $317.37 million of cereals, $19.87 million of vegetables, $1.48 million of oil seeds and fruits, and $10.26 million of fertilizers. Canada's National Market Development Organization for Flax and Flax Products is officially in the market for a chief executive. The Flax Council of Canada says its search for a new president is underway after Wayne Thompson announced in August he has left the position to become executive director of the Western Grains Research Foundation, effective December 1st. Thompson has been president of the National Council since 2021 and executive director of the West Saskatchewan Flax Development Commission since 2014. He took the National Council through what it described as a transition in membership and direction. The Flax Council of Canada, in operation since 1986, 
closed its Winnipeg head office in 2018. At the time, it cited declining flax production and a corresponding decline in levy funding. It also saw the departure of a major funding member, Richardson International, at that time. New crop lentil bids are starting to become available in Western Canada, with early pricing indications for green lentils not that far off the level seen at the same time a year ago. New crop pricing for large green lentils delivered to the elevator in the fall of 2023 can currently be found in the 38 to 40 cents per pound range, according to Prairie Ag Hotwire data. That compares with new crop prices the same time a year ago of about 35 to 38 cents per pound. Meanwhile, nearby spot bids topping out at 50 cents per bushel are at least 5 to 10 cents off the spot market in early 2022. For red lentils, current new crop bids are 35 cents a pound and are ahead of the year-ago levels closer to 31 cents. Nearby red lentil spot bids in the 33 to 34 cent area are off the prices of a year ago closer to 40 cents. And that is the AgReview portion of our program. It's now 12.37 on GX on Agriculture. And the University of Saskatchewan has been awarded $14 million through Saskatchewan's Agriculture Development Fund, with $7.2 million of the funds allocated to operating the Crop Development Centre, or CDC, for the next five years. 19 USASC researchers were awarded $6.8 million to support 29 innovative crop-related projects, ranging from using plant-derived ethanol and biodiesel to reduce plastic waste, to developing nutritionally balanced milk using pulse and oilseed protein, to tackling a root rot problem in lentils, a key export for Saskatchewan. Plant geneticist and wheat breeder Dr. Curtis Posniak, a professor in USASC's College of Agriculture and Bioresources and CDC director since 2020, says the funding is huge to them. Right, so the Crop Development Centre focuses on developing new crop varieties for Western Canadian producers. And so the funding that was announced today really helps to support our operations. Um, so the administrative uh, piece of managing the Crop Development Centre, but also uh, helping us support the Grains Innovation Lab, which allows our, our breeders to screen thousands of, of samples of grains each year for quality and nutrition. Uh, and a big part of what we do is field research, and, and a, a significant portion of the funding being announced today will help support our field operations to ensure that we could do the breeding, the pathology, and the quality work that's required to develop new varieties. He says the funding also helps them recruit and retain students. Well, I think it's I think it's important that having these sorts of resources uh, to, to fund the center uh, helps support the scientists that train students uh, to support the programs, the breeding programs, the pathology programs, uh, so that they function well. Uh, and that, of course, attracts students uh, um, from all over the world to come and train here as as, as graduate students, uh, the masters at the uh, PhD level, um, but it also supports uh, developments of, uh, uh, of ideas that, that we can then bring into training of undergraduate students and the next generation of, of scientists. Bosniak provides some examples of research projects being conducted at the CDC. 
Yeah, so certainly from the crop development uh, center side, uh, the work um, and the proposals that we put forward uh, span the gamut of all the crops that we work with. We work with uh, at least 12 different species uh, at the crop development center, uh, ranging from cereal crops to, to flax uh, on the oilseed side. Uh, we have a very productive forage breeding program as well. Uh, and the research that was announced today is going to support uh, work that's important to improving disease resistance, improving uh, uh, yield and standability of, of, of the crops that, that are important here. Uh, and really what we're trying to do is, 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 um, uh, is do the research that's required to, um, to feed into the breeding programs. It's one thing to do research, but it's another to, to feed that research into breeding programs and make sure that that research gets translated into new field-ready cultivars uh, that will eventually make their way to to farmers fields he says the funding will be used over a number of years of research well, you know, I think uh, research is is uh, an important part of of, of uh, a sustainable production system. You know, if you think of the of innovation pipeline of research, um, you have to have that funding to support those ideas uh, that then can flow into uh, a variety of development. So, research is not a one-year thing. It's a, it's a four or five-year projects that that were announced today um, that that really. Um, leverage sort of the past research that's been done uh, that, that that's really a priority for our growers. I mean, we talk to growers, uh, we understand their needs, and we focus our research activities on uh, de and developing proposals uh, that are important to the profitability of our growers. Uh, so having multi-year funding allows us to maintain that momentum um, so that, you know, we can continue the research that's required to make sure profitability is at the at, at the top of the page. Posniak is thankful that the Saskatchewan government continues to help fund their projects. Well, Saskatchewan put forward a quite an ambitious growth plan, and agriculture is a part of that, uh, a significant part of that uh, of that growth plan. And uh, so, the work that we do at the university around uh, uh, crop production and and, and food security um, is important for for the work that we do here in Saskatchewan. So, um, so this is significant. I mean, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture has been been a proud supporter of of the Crop Development Center for the past 52 years. Uh, here um, and you know this renewed investments in in our operating at the CDC speaks to uh, to the commitments of the province to our to our mission which is to improve profitability of uh, Saskatchewan and Western Canadian producers um, but also to to help us achieve our vision for sort of being world leaders in in application of technology and science to crop improvement um, for the crops that we grow right here in Saskatchewan. He notes each project has a lead scientist, but they have a team of researchers working under them. Yeah, so generally when we're putting applications together, you have a project lead, but most certainly there's a whole team of people behind uh, the scientists that, that, are, uh, that are helping write the proposal, formulate the ideas, but more importantly, executing the work. And, and this speaks to the training component that we were talking about earlier. Um, so many of the projects that, that were announced today will hire summer students or graduate students or, or postdoctoral fellows that will come in and train, learn about Saskatchewan 
agriculture, uh, develop knowledge, uh, publishable knowledge that then can be translated uh, into our variety development pipeline uh, at the crop development centers. So, so there is a significant training uh, piece that's part of this. Um, uh, many of our students uh, um, are homegrown, like myself, right here from Saskatchewan, and but we have a, a whole range of students from from all over the world that bring different perspectives on their agricultural systems and ideas uh, of how we can do things better here. And it's that sort of diversity of people, I think, that that can really contribute to uh, very innovative applied projects. Pozniak gives us an idea of how many people work at the CDC. Yeah, so there are eight CDC faculty. Uh, we're actually uh, strategic research program chairs, which are also funded by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Uh, most of those are breeders. Um, we do have uh, two uh, uh, crop pathologists as well. Uh, and on the, we have on the order of around uh, anywhere from around 80 to 100 graduate students, depending on the, on the time of year, uh, that are trained by CDC scientists and, and, the, and the faculty uh, in the Department of Plant Science as well as the, the College of Agriculture where we're embedded. So um, uh, training is an important part of what we do. Plant geneticist and wheat breeder Dr. Curtis Posniak is a professor in USASC's College of Agriculture and Bioresources and he's been the CDC director since 2020. Please stay tuned. Your livestock market conditions are coming up next. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 157.77. That's up two. April live cattle trading at 161.47, down 17. March feeder cattle trading at 185.57, down 92. April feeder cattle trading at 189.47, down 105. February lean hogs trading at 79.17, down 62. April lean hogs trading at 88.30, down 122. And that's the livestock market conditions. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon. The U.S. wheat futures were lower last week as traders returned from the holidays. The drop could have been caused by the lack of traders at their desks, the continuance of the holiday season in Asia, or the lack of any new tenders in the market. In the significant purchases and trades, cash trade was slow last week as many traders are either still on holidays or have decent coverage to start the year. U.S. weekly commercial sales were 47.1 thousand tons. 90% below the previous week's 448,000 tons. Traders were thinking sales would be in the 250 to 450,000 ton range. Otherwise, Tunisia bought 100,000 tons of wheat. This was likely filled by the Black Sea. The price backs off to about $320 FOB Russia or $310 FOB Ukraine. Additionally, Egypt announced another tender that will be closing tomorrow. In some of the most important news, wheat is expensive for importing countries. When comparing the price of wheat from the beginning of 2022 with the beginning of this year, global wheat prices are generally higher. 
Soft red winter wheat prices in the Gulf are generally $35 a ton higher. In the EU, wheat is up $22.60 on average. In the Black Sea, on the other hand, wheat is generally $26 a ton cheaper than last year. Increases in the price of wheat have made the commodity expensive for importing countries. This becomes even more evident when we account for the impact of currency changes in these importing countries. For example, in 2022, the Turkish lira lost 27% of its value against the US dollar, and the Egyptian pound lost 43% of its value against the US dollar. There have been some stories of importers having payment issues, and many countries have had to adjust how they do business. So far, it seems like most trades are being completed, but it does cause concern about importers' ability to secure wheat. In Canada, we have the November export statistics from Stats Canada. November wheat exports were 1.9 million tons, which is very strong, albeit 200,000 tons less than October's amount. The biggest change from last year are exports to China, which today are 1.4 million tons, almost five times larger than they were the same time last year. Exports to other countries were also strong, at 514,000 tons in November, for a two-date total of 1.7 million tons, up 57% from last year. Interestingly, there was 74,000 tons of wheat exported to India in November, the first Canadian wheat exports to India in over five years. The Canadian Grain Commission says that 552,000 tons of wheat were exported in week 21 and 22, for a total of 8.1 million tons as of week 22. This is over 3.1 million tons more than last year. The current pace still argues that we'll export about 19.1 million tons of wheat, which is 200,000 tons more than what Statistics Canada is estimating. For Durham, Durham bids are now about $13.70 a bushel delivered at the elevator, of course depending on location. Canadian Durham exports during November were also strong. Stats Canada reported that over 736,000 tons of Durham was exported during the month. Italy was the biggest buyer, taking 223,000 tons of the total amount, for a year-to-date total of 568,000 tons, 191% more than last year. Morocco, who usually imports about a quarter of our monthly total exports, was absent. But there were strong exports to Algeria, who took 155,000 tons in November. According to the Canadian Grain Commission, week 21 and 22 exports were 97,000 tons for a season total of 1.9 million tons, up 64% from last year. The pace of Durham exports has weakened as of late, as exports out of Thunder Bay are restricted when the lakes freeze. We are currently 50% sold Durham and are inclined to finish Durham sales at about $14 a bushel. Down to the U.S. The drought in the U.S. wheat belt has improved. Now, 64% of the U.S. winter wheat crop is under drought conditions. The last crop condition report was on November 29th, when 34% of the crop was considered to be good to excellent, compared to 44% good to excellent the previous year. The next crop progress report is not until April 3rd. Otherwise, U.S. export sales were low at 47,000 tons. In Australia, 
Australia's harvest is about 80% complete, with better than expected yields. Production estimates for Australia's crop are rising from about 36 million tonnes to 42 million tonnes. It also seems as though there are less quality issues than what was originally feared, given the untimely harvest rains. The large crop in Australia is going to compete with Canadian wheat, but limited export capacity will restrict their exports to be only slightly larger than last year. Australian wheat will continue to take much of the Asian demand. Their wheat prices fell another $20 per tonne again on a FOB basis. In Argentina, wheat harvest in Argentina is finished. Badge left their crop estimate at 12.4 million tonnes, which is 44% less than what the USDA says they produced last year. Farmer sales rose by 200,000 tonnes over the week. Most of the selling was bought by domestic millers. Total farmer sales are 6.6 million tonnes and roughly half of last year's amount to date. The USDA thinks that Argentina will export 7.5 million tonnes of wheat this year, down 8.7 million tonnes from last year. In the European Union, Matif wheat futures fell 9 euros on reports of falling Black Sea values. Insurance issues are keeping freight expensive in the Black Sea, which should allow EU wheat to continue making some sales. Much of Europe has experienced an unseasonably warm winter, but limited snow is leaving winter crops exposed as temperatures are now falling. In the Black Sea, Russian wheat continues to be the cheapest in the world and is taking much of the demand. With that said, there's a growing number of issues with getting wheat out of the Black Sea. A growing number of companies are saying they will no longer cover war risk coverage for vessels from Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. Additionally, wait times in the Bosphorus are increasing shipping costs. No new vessels are currently expected to arrive in Ukraine for loading, and 94 vessels were waiting for inspection in Turkey as of January 3rd. Some ships have been waiting for more than a month for inspection. Like the rest of Europe, Russia and Ukraine have been unseasonably warm. Temperatures are now dropping below 20 degrees Celsius, negative 20 degrees Celsius, and there is little to no snow protecting their winter crops. Russian and Ukrainian farmers are celebrating Orthodox Christmas this last week, and it will be interesting to see how they act when they return from the holiday. Farmer selling and subsequent Black Sea exports will likely be a function of the condition of their winter crop and their ability to plant spring crops. For the coming week, Russia and Ukraine are on holiday, and the near-term focus of the cash market is whether the farmers there continue to sell when they return. Russian exports will largely be a function of the condition of their winter crop and their ability to plant spring crops. The January USDA WASDA report is out this week, on the 12th. Traders are watching for significant reductions to South America's corn and soybean crops, as well as less export demand for U.S. corn. In conclusion, we expect wheat prices to be a little stronger in the new year, as the balance sheet remains tight and Russian prices should rally. We are currently sold about 50% of our spring wheat and would sell an additional 25% at $12 or better. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 835.70, down $5.90. 
May canola trading at 832.30, also down $5.90. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 898 per bushel, up three and a half cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 822 and a half, up 10 and three quarters of a cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 741 per bushel, that's up 10 cents. March corn trading at 656 and a half, up one and a half cents. March soybeans trading at 1496 and a quarter, up 11 and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 347 and a half, up six and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Saskatchewan feeder cattle markets are off to a quiet start for the new year. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats says less than 400 head of cattle were sold in Saskatchewan last week. We had a quiet start to 2023 after the holidays with only 327 feeder cattle being marketed over the week. And therefore prices for Saskatchewan feeder steers and heifers were not reported last week. Feeder cattle volumes were actually not high enough in the past two weeks for Canfax to be able to establish accurate trading ranges or prices for Saskatchewan. But overall, Canfax did share that Canadian feeder cattle prices were reported to be overall steady to slightly stronger last week compared to the end of December. As for market-ready cattle prices... The Canfax price for Alberta-fed steers reported on January 6th was... 186.04 186.04 per hundredweight, and this was up 201 per hundredweight compared to the last reporting uh, where it was at 184.03 on December 23rd. And Alberta cow prices were all up over the week as well. The price of D2 slaughter cows increased 587 per hundredweight from two weeks prior to average 93.75, and D3 slaughter cows were up 890 per hundredweight to average 84.50. Froats outlines the key market factors behind the numbers. I think that it's a bit about supply and demand. For feeder cattle, we're getting through backlog of cattle slowly, so feedlots are buying cattle, and the corn shipments from the U.S. have kind of kept a ceiling on the feed barley prices, which is supporting the markets as well. And then with the cows, it's a bit of a supply and demand. Less of them were coming to market these last couple weeks compared to the weeks prior, so it's supported the price for them. She notes that the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference is coming up later this month. Yeah, it is coming up and registration is open and I think the industry is looking forward to getting together in person again. So I encourage anybody from the cattle industry to have a look at that and consider attending. Froats adds the dates are January 24th to the 26th. In Saskatoon, yep, that's correct. And some of our uh, beef industry groups have some of their annual general meetings and semi-annual meetings as well for people to attend. Fonda Froats is the cattle specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Farm Bulletin Board. The Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is having another Parkland Learning event coming up Wednesday, January 25th. That'll run from 9 until 10.30 at Community Futures in Yorkton. The, one of the guest speakers is Ian Hack. He'll be talking about financial planning, more than just numbers on a piece of paper, as well as Corey Henderson, a transition specialist with Farm Credit Canada. 
And of course, it'll be the three common challenges when transitioning the family farm. You are asked to RSVP to this event by January 23rd. Once again, that's coming up on Wednesday, January 25th at Community Futures in Yorkton. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Cloudy, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20. The temperature steady near minus 10. For tonight, cloudy, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, and a low of minus 12. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 8, a low of minus 10. For Friday, partly sunny, winds southeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 5. For Saturday, cloudy, a high of minus 2. And Sunday, a 60% chance of light snow in the morning, a high of minus 1. In the Paw, it's minus 11 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin, and Show Lake Russell, minus 9. Brandon, minus 8. Roblin, Regina, Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, all reporting in at minus 10. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north-northwest wind at 17 kilometers an hour. 92% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 16 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.